I used to be a bartender by trade. Sports is probably one of the coolest industries I've ever worked in. In our two seasons, we've seen over 36,000. You are now listening to the MVP podcast where we explore the business of sports. My name is Courtney. And I'm Jimmy. And on this episode, we spoke to the general manager of the Kamloops North Paws. Now, before speaking to this person, I did not know what the Kamloops North Paws were, and I didn't really know anything about the West Coast League, which is one of the pipelines to the MLB. In fact, there are a ton of folks playing in the MLB right now who have experience in this league. So during our conversation, you're going to hear all about what a general manager does, or a baseball club, you're going to learn why nothing is more important than sweating the small details. And if you stick to the end, our guest is going to talk about the secrets that she used to get where she's at networking and building strategic relationships. So Jimmy, this conversation again, packed with a ton of gems. So do us a favor, hit that follow button, hit that subscribe, wherever you see one, it's absolutely free. And make sure you leave us a rating or a comment wherever you can guys, without further ado, Here's our conversation with Jenna Forder. You are the general manager for the Kamloops North Paws in the West Coast League. That is correct. Yes. What is the West Coast League? Can you tell us a little bit about that? So the West Coast League um, is a summer collegiate baseball league. Um, we have teams. Currently, we have 16 teams that are active in Alberta, British Columbia, Washington, and Oregon. Um, in 2025, um, they actually just introdu introduced the Salem, Oregon team. So we'll have 17 active teams within those, um, those provinces and states. Um, so originally, um, they were formed in 2005. So they're quite, um, like an older league. Um, they're similar to, you know, like a Northwoods league, which is, you know, another summer collegiate league, which is, um, located in the same kind of area. Um, you know, I think the most prestigious one that people talk about is the Cape Cod League, which is on the East Coast. Um, but the West Coast League has really been growing and really, um, you know, making kind of different um, waves in the baseball um, world, especially in the summer collegiate. Uh, they are primarily player development focused. Um, so basically, when a player is placed with a team, when they're recruited for a team, um, it's our job to do the best that we can to develop these players to better their chances of, of moving up um, into, you know, either farm teams or major league, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully that happens lots. Um, but they, the original like founding teams were the Kelowna Falcons. So we're located in Canada, BC. They're about a two hour uh, drive away from us. Uh, Corvallis Knights, uh, Wenatchee Apple Sox, and the Bellingham Bells. Um, they were within the original formation. There was two other teams, I believe, that are no longer, unfortunately, um, around. Um, but they've, I mean, the West Coast League, I think one of the biggest um, things about them is that they bring, you know, NCAA, NCJAA, NAIA um, athletes at D1, D2, D3 levels. Um, and they're from all over North America. So they're Canadian and they're um, from American schools. Um, you know, we've seen people like players from Japan and um, New Zealand and kind of other countries like Korea and things like that, South Korea, 
um, come in because they've entered and gotten scholarships at universities and colleges um, throughout North America. So it's a very, very interesting league in the sense that it brings a lot of people around and together um, for baseball. Um, and I think one of the coolest parts about them is that we have currently in 2024, we have six, including myself, active uh, female sports executives that are general managers, assistant general managers, um, or owners, part owners. So it's a very, very um, inclusive league, which is something that I am extremely passionate about. Um, but it was really cool, um, like taking this job um, and being involved in such a, um, like I said, inclusive league, but such a prestigious league um, at that at that point. Yeah, and so the Kamloops North Paws is a relatively new franchise. You talked about the West Coast League is growing. Uh, wh what's the story of the Kamloops North Paws and and their origin? Yeah, so um, the Kamloops North Paws were formed in 2020, I believe. I think they they first started discussing in 2019. Um, and then obviously COVID happened. So they had, um, a canceled season in 2021. Um, it was formed by, uh, Mr. Norman Daly, who is actually also the president of the Kamloops Blazers. Um, they're the w WHL hockey team, um, here in town. Um, and then as well as by Neil Perry, um, who is another, uh, businessman, um, in town who owns a pleading, uh, pardon me, a plumbing and heating company. Um, so I was introduced, uh, you know, after they had started, you know, the branding and, and kind of like that operational, you know, what they wanted to do, what they were seeing for the team, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I started in November of 2021 ahead of our first inaugural season. Um, and then we had our first season in 2022 and we actually made the playoffs. So we started out really strong. Um, you know, I think the biggest, uh, comment that I have about the West Coast League as well as the collaboration between the general managers, of you know, the majority of these teams, like I, when I first started, um, you know, we leaned on, you know, Stephanie from the Bellingham Bells, you know, we've leaned on, um, you know, the Kelowna Falcons and, um, Wenatchee Apple Sox and Edmonton River Hawks and Victoria Harbor Cats and, so I think the collaboration, um, all the teams are competing, but all the teams want to see the teams succeed. We're all here for the same reason. Um, so, you know, we started up pretty strong. Um, our coaching staff has ranged, um, you know, we had Cole Armstrong as our original head coach. Um, he played in the majors, still a very, very good friend of mine. Um, and he was able to uh, bring on our current head coach. Um, and his name is Jose Bautista. Um, so Jose <laughs> is cousins with Joey Bats. <laughs> wow. I'm not joking. This is, he is one of the coolest, um, people I've ever met. Um, he made his MLB debut in 1981. Um, he started with, um, the, uh, the New York Mets, sorry, in the minor leagues, um, and catapulted into the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, he played for the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs, the Kansas city Royals, the San Francisco giants. Detroit Tigers, and he spent um, a majority of his uh, coaching years affiliated with the White Sox organization. Um, so the wealth of knowledge that this head coach brings um, is is extremely valuable. And I think because of his 
because of his perspective and his upbringing from the Dominican Republic and his, you know, journey through Major League Baseball and now to summer collegiate baseball, he is uh, absolutely wonderful with the kids. And, you know, I've seen him take a kid from pitching, you know, 87 miles an hour to 80 miles an hour towards the end of the season throwing 99s and in 10 short weeks that's a huge feat um so he is he is definitely one of my favorite people in the entire world i will tell you that right now um but he was our pitching coach for the last two years and we promoted him to head coach um in for the 2024 season so that's that's amazing i I mean (laughs) lots to unpack there from yeah. <laughs> Coaching development to uh, I really want to understand how you and ownership work together in in kind of uh, operating the team. But before before we even talk about that, I'm very interested in just the dynamic of summer collegiate baseball. OK. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> these these guys, they're on scholarship at school. Some of them, I assume, maybe be on partials or whatever, because you had a range of you know, D1 down to NAIA and everything in between. So do those players volunteer themselves? Do they make themselves eligible to come into summer collegiate baseball or collegiate summer baseball? Or do, are they chosen? Uh, If they get chosen, do they have to go? Are they like free agents or is there a draft? Like how does that whole recruitment process go? I can kind of speak on it to the best of my ability. Um, There are eligibility. you know, Criteria. there is eligibility rules and regulations within the West Coast League. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to be, um, you know, of age. They have to be enrolled um, and currently, you know, active in a scholarship program at a, a, a college or university um, at an accredited one. Um, and they make themselves available, but the head coaches speak to their college head, head coaches and they form the roster through um, pipelines and uh, recruitment, you know, pathways that way. Um, on the coach, like the head coach's side, you know, they're trying to build a good team of players who will be competitive um, and players that align with, um, you know, their goals for the season um, and players who who want to be here. I think that's a, one of the more important factors sometimes is that. You know, the kids who come up here, they want to play baseball. They want to have a fun summer. Uh, a lot of them have never been to Canada before. So uh, a ton of them are really interested in coming up here and spending a summer, um, you know, under the coaching staff. Um, and, you know, one of the most important factors in recruitment, it stems from, you know, ownership and GMs picking, you know, the coaching staff who will fit their team and fit um, kind of their priorities. Um, so for us, you know, our coaching staff, every single coach that we've had since day one has had a wealth of knowledge. They're all fabulous human beings. Um, you know, some of them are ex, um, MLB players. Some of them have, you know, head coached and assistant coached in, um, colleges for, for a number of years. Um, and right now, um, we have two others that, you know, are under Jose and they're working together to recruit these players from these schools. Um, you know, D1 is is always an attractive um, recruitment, but because of their high competitiveness in colleges, you know, there are pitching limits and limits on how much they can play during the summer just because their priorities lie with the colleges. Um, so when it comes to, you know, D1 
D1, D2, D3, they're all really good levels. Um, so we like to get a mix of all three of them just because it kind of evens everything out um, and we avoid, you know, those really, really heavy pitching limits and, and all, and, you know, other limitations that they have. Yeah. Uh, so, so really the college coaches are interested because the players are going to come back to campus, improved, better, ready yeah. to compete at a higher level. The player themselves is interested because it's like going and getting tutored by some, like you mentioned, some people who've yeah. already been to the mountaintop and can come back, share yeah. uh, with that experience. And then West Coast League is, and by extension, Kamloops, North Paws, yourself, your organizations, the organizations you compete with, you're, you're just building that pipeline. And really the measure of your success is, you know, getting people to the show really. And also, um, I guess, providing communities with some pretty fun baseball to watch in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, one of the coolest things I, I pulled our attendance records and, you know, in our two seasons, we've seen, uh, over 36,000, um, fans, wow. which is for a 10 week season. It's, it's a lot. I want to see impressive. it higher personally. I like, let's go. Like, I want to, I want to see way more people at the ballpark, but um, you know, for our first two seasons, it, it's been, it's been really, um, a great success, um, at, at the end of the day, especially with attendance. And I think, you know, one of the most important parts too, is, um, what the owners are really passionate about, what I share, um, passion with them is, is that we want to create a program that coaches want to continually send their players to because we successfully develop these players and they have good seasons and they come back better than they were before. You know, at the end of the day, the teams are here to make money, but you know, our passions really lie at the player development level. And that's like the main foundation for the teams to be successful um, and to be around for multiple years to come. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now, I don't know about you, Courtney, but I played a lot of NBA 2K, FIFA before it changed into FC, Madden, NCAA. And one of my favorite modes is like the My GM or the manager mode. And yeah. in those in those roles, you know, you get to draft players, you get to set, yeah. you know, hot dog prices, ticket prices, and yeah. you want to see attendance go up. You want to see the, the team do successful. Is that the gist of what a GM does? Because I know everybody wants to be a GM when they want to break into sports. If they're like, I don't want to be an athlete, so I want to run the team. Can yeah. you give us kind of like, uh, actually, here's a better question. What is one thing that you do as a, a general manager of a, of a sports team that you're like, holy, like if like this keeps me up at night or like I'm just shocked that this is part of my job? Yeah, like shocked in a bad way or shocked in a positive way because we could go both. both. Let's do both. Let's do both. <laughs> okay, negative ways. Um, I I don't want and I do not want to steer anyone off who's listening or watching this. Um, you know, it, it it sports is probably one of the coolest industries I've ever worked in. Period, and it is so rewarding. Um, but I would say the thing that keeps me up at night is impending home opener. Man. It's like the pressure is on. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's it's the little things because there's so many different departments. You have your food and beverage, you have your merchandise, you have your equipment, you have your player management, coaching management, and recruitment. Luckily, the coaches manage the players pretty well on their own, but you have, you know, your contracts and your passports and you know, every single little detail, their travel here, you have billeting. That's a huge one. So host families, and I'm going to shout out our, our building program. 
Um, we had a, uh, employee named Lucas, um, our past, um, year and a half here. And he absolutely boosted that program tenfold. He just had a baby. Her name is Aurora. Super cute. Um, but the billeting program is huge. Um, that was one of our biggest challenges in our first year. We were at May 1st and we only had 11 beds and we had 39 players. So yeah, trying to find these awesome families who now we have a great program. People have returned. They're very happy. They create amazing relationships, um, with their players and, um, long lasting, like lifelong kind of bonds. Um, but I think, like I said, the thing that keeps me up at night is the minute details that you could forget that could totally discombobulate the entire operation. You know, mm-hmm. like it could be as simple as forgetting, you know, when you send the kids on the road and one of them forgets their passport or you, and you don't have like a copy of the passport so they can't cross the border and you miss a game. You know, the billeting thing in the first year, I, I did an article and I was like, to the media, I was like, we need you to please house these players because I don't know if we can have a season if we don't get these boys in homes. Like, oh. But I think for, for as a GM, the non-glamorous side is the amount of attention to detail that you have to have and you really, really have to prioritize properly and just keep calm. <laughs> like, I think that's, I think that would be, you know, the thing that keeps me up is that at night is those little tiny details. Now on a positive note, um, I think the best part about being a general manager in a, like of a sports team is the incredible human beings that you meet every single day. It, the effect that you have on these players, the, the, connections that you make with sponsors, with billet families, with other coaches, with other GMs, like one of my favorite human beings and one of my best friends is Allie uh, Shank. And she is the general manager of the Wenatchee Apple Sox. And we met each other because we asked each other a question and we started FaceTiming and the rest is history. So I think that's the most rewarding part. Um, and seeing the players engage with the fans and the fans engage with the players. It's, it's just something I I've never experienced before. And I would say it makes my job, my very stressful job, 10 out of 10, completely worth it at the end of the day. Yeah. It seems like you have a lot of strategic relationships or um, partnerships. You really got to build relationships, whether that's internal or with outside parties. Would you say that's one of your strong suits or, um, a prerequisite to taking this job? Yes, I am a people person. Um, you know, I think everyone is born with a gift. Um, and I think my gift is building, networking and maintaining, you know, beautiful relationships. I mean, look at this, by example, we connected on LinkedIn and it's such a powerful platform. And here we are discussing this. And and I think that there's a lot of beauty in it. And I also think that it really, really helps a team succeed. You know, um, our own, my ownership group, they are very well respected within the Kamloops community. They have built incredible relationships with a multitude of industries and people um, who really support this team. And at the end of the day, I think when I, when I was drawn to this job, when, you know, I was branching out of my previous industry into something totally new after university, I learned very quickly that it wasn't you know, as much about what I knew about baseball, it was about who I was going to get to know and who 
I will know. And you know what I mean? Like that's, I think that's the biggest part of, of my job that I absolutely love. Yeah, speaking of LinkedIn, I, when I was going through your LinkedIn, I was absolutely shocked by your <laughs> past history. Yes. I, so one thing that we love to do on this pack, podcast is demystify the mysteries about breaking right. into sports <laughs> business, sports media, or anything like that, because everyone believes you have to be an athlete in order to be able to work in sports. But there yeah. are so many ways to break into the industry. Can you take us a little bit, like just a brief history about how you went from being a bartender, from being somebody who studied in uh, travel tourism to yeah. becoming a GM of a sports team. Okay, sounds good. Um, so I am, I used to be a bartender by trade. Uh, I started um, when I was about 20 years old. You know, I was hosting from when I was 18 till I was 20, um, started serving, started bartending. Um, you know, it took me to some ski towns. So in my early 20s, I was just, all about going to new places, exploring Canada a bit more, getting out of my comfort zone. Um, and so I ended up when I was, so I lived in Ramelstoke for three years from 2013 to 2016, still my second home, absolutely love it there. Um, and then I ended up taking uh, a job in Lake Louise and getting a promotion to assistant general manager of um, a restaurant there. From then I got into general management. That was my first GM position um, for a different restaurant within the same hotel. Um, and it was really hard work. I was uh, GM during Canada 150, which I'm not sure if you guys know about it, but they uh, allowed free entry into the park. So we were seeing sales of like 20,000 to $30,000 a night. And it was a lot of work. Um, so I was thinking about, you know, my university path and um, you know, I was considering business, um, like a BA, but, um, I have a really big passion for traveling. I have a really big passion for tourism in general, um, just because of my upbringing and stuff. So I actually enrolled in the bachelor of tourism management program here at TRU, um, in Kamloops. And so I moved here. I started, um, you know, my education journey, um, in 2017. Um, and obviously I was bartending, you know, throughout that time. So, uh, my last position, um, that I was bartending in, uh, prior to taking this job was at a, at a, a Moxie's restaurant, um, here in Kamloops, great place to work. Um, but I got to know the owners, uh, because they were regulars and super duper nice guys. You know, they, they know all the staff. They're very friendly. They'd come in once a week. Um, and we would talk about everything under the sun. Like I would, it's kind of funny. I'd be like, oh my God, I had a terrible day today. Like I didn't study for this test or, you know, I had a great day today. I got like an A plus on this assignment that I did. And, you know, we just started talking as normal people. And this is kind of where the networking thing comes in. Um, they knew I was graduating soon. And, and um, after, you know, quite some time about like eight months of, you know, serving them and getting to know them and, um, all that kind of stuff. They started asking me what I was going to do after university. And I was like, I'm leaving Kamloops. I'm out of here. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to stay. Like, I want to, I want to go spread my wings, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I ended up, um, you know, they kept kind of talking to me and I talked to my parents about it. And my dad, um, was like, you should sit down and see what they have to say, you know? And so, um, I sat down with them. I had, you know, a preliminary interview that went really well. I had a secondary one. Um, they were running 
you know, they run two other businesses. Um, well, the, the North Paws and their other business. So they had two positions and they were talking about the baseball thing. And I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't know anything about baseball before I started. Um, and they were talking to me about it and I decided to take a risk and I, I told them I wanted to try it and I am so glad that I did, you know, wow. at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know and, and uh -huh. how you get there. And I think for me, I've always taken risks, but I've taken very calculated risks. I'm like, you know, I weigh out how it can, like it can work. And the biggest thing for me was I wanted to branch away from the restaurant industry. And there's so many transferable skills that apply in the sports industry as well. You know, your customer service, your mm -hmm. experience creation, which is something that you study very heavily in a bachelor of tourism management degree. You, mm -hmm. and it's hotel related, but there's also sports management courses that are in that degree and, and event management courses that are in that degree. And that's, that's what you do as a GM of a baseball team in the West Coast League is you're putting on an event, you're creating a fan experience so that they have a good time and they come back. Um, so for me, it was just, it was a really cool jump and one that I completely did not expect. That's cool. And that's not something you hear every day, but the point that you made about transferable skills really resonates that's with me because I also work in sports and I have a back room, background in retail and cold calling like business dev so yeah. sales i'm not necessarily a salesperson, but i feel the customer facing relationship building all of that stuff comes into play and so you mentioned there's food and beverage there's merchandise uh all of those different org units require some skills that you probably developed while you're operating a restaurant yes yeah yeah big yeah. time and i think you know Sponsorship sales is another really big thing that, you know, I have recognized that I really thoroughly enjoy. And I think it stems from, you know, my ability to um, kind of like not recognize, like not a problem, but recognize an opportunity and make that opportunity come to light. And I think the most important part of that aspect is when you have someone investing in your team, whether it's their time or it's money or it's, you know, volunteer hours or, you know, donating equipment, whatever it may be, you need to, you know, really nurture that relationship and make sure that you fulfill and exceed their expectations when it comes to that investment. And that's something that I, you know, am very, very passionate about. There's tons of parts of my job, but I, I had no idea that I had such a knack for, you know, sales and, and really, you know, building those connections so that you have the returning, um, the returning investment every single year. Yeah. So as it talks about, you're talking about growing, uh, the team, growing the league, what are some of the goals that you have or that you have as an organization? And what are some of the things that you're currently working on projects or just, you know, metrics that you're trying to hit? What is it? What's the ball that you have your eye on? So I think, I think the biggest thing this year, uh, for us is building awareness. So we have seen the 30, over 36,000 fans through our stadium in two years. Um, I really want to see, you know, 25,000 this year alone. Um, I think, you know, the other kind of aspect of it is especially with this looming 
recession word that has been floating around, you know, Canada for the last few months. Uh, I think one of our biggest goals is making sure that we're bringing value to our fans and we're bringing value to our sponsors and our investors. Um, We, you know, the ownership group really wants to keep it affordable for families to come out. Um, That's something that we're really, um, that we're really focusing on. Being in our third year as well, I think, you know, operationally with the ballpark itself, our setup that we had, you know, developed last year, we're going to bring it into this year. You know, we're going to keep a lot of that kind of stuff the same. Um, But we did a fan survey at the end of last year and we're really, you know, we took it into consideration and really listened to the fans and what they want to see. And I think, you know, by listening to them and giving the people what they want, um, I think we're going to be able to bring more more fans down to the ballpark. Um, furthermore, I think with Jose being our head coach, and I cannot talk well about this man enough, just his vision with the team, I think it's going to be a very, very um, game-changing year for our organization with him in charge. Furthermore, with that, we've hired... Um, T.C. Fairfield, who was the head coach of the Dub C Fish Sticks. It's another coastal league, summer league. Um, they had a fabulous year last year. I believe that they won the championship. Um, so he's been assisting with recruiting. And then we actually got uh, Riley Jepson um, as a um, assistant coach. Um, and he uh, is the Canucks local who was actually a free agent for um, the, West, uh, the Chicago White Sox. Um, in 2022. So I think their, their skills combined, you know, TC and Jose have the pitching focus. Riley is an incredible hitter. Um, I think the three of them with the roster that we have, I think they're going to, they're going to make some magic this season. And that's, that's something that we're really excited about too. Man, I feel like it's uh, gotta be real encouraging, exciting to be a part of building something that is new, young, developing it's like yeah. seeing a baby walk for the Grow first up. time yeah. or something like that <laughs> yeah. so it's, yeah. yeah. it's got to be a great opportunity and so for other people who might be trying to get into the sports industry do you recommend you know trying to go to a team that is a smaller team or it's in a smaller market because you might have a little bit more responsibility and gain some more experience or do you think if you were to do it all over again, uh, do you think that this is a lot to have on your plate as somebody who's new and you would have to, you know, maybe recommend warming up somewhere else where you can learn the ropes? Are there pros and cons? Like, how do yeah. you see this as somebody who's just trying to break in? This is a loaded question. So I'll try to answer it the best I can. Now, I, at my as an individual myself, I jump into things and I hit the ground running. Um, I have an extreme thirst for learning. Um, you know, do you I, think that's prerequisite to being good at something? Like, what do you mean? Like, like you have to want to learn. Yes, I think so. To be honest with you, and you have to. I think the biggest thing too is you have to be humble enough to admit when you're wrong, mm. and really take responsibility from it don't beat yourself up too much, but learn from it. And I think the other part of it is that I do love to collaborate and I am very, very humble. And so, you know, I leaned on, you know, Stephanie from the bells, um, you know, Jim and, and, um, Christian from the Victoria Harbor cats, 
you know, I've developed a really good relationship now with Mark from the Kelowna Falcons, and he's been doing that job for like 20 years now. So I, I seek out mentors who can assist me and getting to where I need to be. Um, but I think that if, if you want to go into a position like this, I think one of the most important things that you could possibly do, um, which I never did because I met, you know, the ownership group through organic, like kind of serendipity. Yeah. Um, but you know, my assistant Lucas, who I was talking about, um, you know, he, he actually reached out to me when he was a student and asked me to go for coffee because he wanted to do an informational interview on how I got into the position, you know, where I see the team going, what my role entailed. And for me as a new GM, and now as a little bit more seasoned GM, I'm not, I'm not an old GM quite yet. I'm still a baby. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's a really good way to kind of break in is, you know, even if you're applying for these positions, you're not really getting anywhere, just asking someone for an informational interview. I think it, it speaks miles and it shows a, a lot of initiative too. Um, I think that using LinkedIn, like we've kind of talked about to your best advantage, that's a great way to do it. And I also think exerting kind of flexibility as to where you're, you're living um, and looking at your, your goal in the sports industry and saying, okay, what am I willing to sacrifice in order to get me to the next step and the next level where, you know what I mean? Like I, for one, not that I don't like Kamloops. I just, I'm a little bit of a, I like to move around a lot <laughs> and like explore, but it was such a good opportunity for me that I was like, you know what, I'm willing to stay here for longer. And that's my sacrifice. I'll, I'll stay in Kamloops for longer than I anticipated in order to get myself to the next level and the next step. Right. So I think it's a combination for sure, but those informational interviews, that's a really, really good way to connect with people because you never know who you're going to talk to. You never know who you're going to meet. And I related um, a lot to Lucas because he was taking the exact same degree as I was. So I already knew what he was learning. Mm -hmm. I, I knew exactly what he was doing. And that's why, you know, I ended up bringing him on. Um, right. So that's that, cool. Yeah. yeah. A common thread that we hear from speaking with people that are working in the sports industry is networking, perseverance, which you've you've alluded to, like being able to sacrifice and just learn as much as you can. Are there like could you give us like one or two other skills that you think people who are looking to break into the sports industry um on the business side need to have? Um like technical skills or just general ones? Technical or soft skills. We know soft skills are really big nowadays. So yeah, you know, if, you can, if you can pinpoint sure. one or two for us that our listeners can kind of start focusing in, on. Yeah, um, I think, well, I mean, we're talking about networking, we're talking about perseverance and like learning and stuff like that. Um, I think the other kind of portion of it too is if you're, it depends on kind of what type of role you're going to get into. But if you do have like been at like business administrative type of like courses, like um, accounting and, you know, Excel courses, um, marketing courses, event management courses, those are really, really helpful in this industry. Um, I feel like as well, people get hung up on degrees. I think there's plenty of trade schools like BCIT offers a two-year program. Um, I think that state in, um, in Calgary, offers Calgary. Um, yeah. And so I think not, not saying oh, like, not saying that people don't need to get degrees, but it is a really big commitment. So some sort of like 
prerequisite training in the form of like post-secondary education. If you can do it, do it. Um, and I think also, um, you know, we're talking about like networking and stuff, but jumping on any opportunity to make yourself better or, you know, promote yourself more. I think selling yourself is one of the most important aspects. Um, you know, recognizing your strengths, recognizing kind of your personality, your values, your morals, you know, your, your business ethics, what you want in life is, is what you're going to get mm-hmm. and learning how to actively communicate and sell yourself that way is also a really important kind of soft skill, I guess you could say. Um, but at the end of the day, it's one of the most important kind of like attributes that you should have when you're looking to break into the industry. Awesome advice. And and Jenna, being a, a woman in a powerful position in sports industry, right now I feel as though it's it's really been a common conversation topic of women in sports as if women just started playing sports or something of that nature. But it's now in the zeitgeist and people are championing it. They're talking about it. Um, and that's great. So where do you see yourself fitting into that? Do you feel as though there's little girls who could look up to you or women that are in college. Um, do you feel, do you feel like women in sports right now are finally getting their, uh, their, what they've deserved, the recognition they deserved and the opportunities. And where do you want to see that, that go in the future? Uh, I think, I think that, you know, we're, we're definitely improving. Um, I think that we still have a long way to go personally. Um, I think that there's a lot of women these days who are breaking, you know, the glass ceilings and, Um, you know, I, my advice to younger women who are looking to get into the sports industry is I think just go for it. Um, you know, seek out advice from other women who are in the sports industry, whether they're coaching or they're playing or, you know, they're in event management or they're broadcasting or whatever it may be. Um, I, you know, really was moved when Kim Ng became the first female, uh, MLB general manager in November of 2020. And I think that was, that was unbelievable. Um, I read her time article and I was just so moved by her perseverance and, and what she had to do to get to that position. Um, you know, I think especially, you know, you and I connected on the, the PWHL and the broadcast, it, those numbers were astounding and, I think that, you know, after, especially this year, it's, it's not only in sports, it's in entertainment, it's in, you know, um, music and business and entrepreneurship. It's, it's really starting to take off. And I really think that, you know, like I said, we're, we're, we have a long way to go, but I've never seen anything like what 2023 was, you know, you had Taylor Swift who was selling out thousands of stadiums and you had the Barbie movie that took the world by storm and you had, you know, the PWHL and their announcements and and there were so many different things that were going on in so many different industries. And I think it's, I get goosebumps when I talk about it because it's, it's such a thing that um, I feel so honored to be in a position where, um, you know, a young woman or another woman can like look up to me and I've received so many incredible um, compliments and, and things like that, that are, that are, um, that are really amazing. And I think in this, in my job, the men that I work with are so kind and they are so amazing. I, I have not like nothing but good things to say. 
And I'm talking about umpires and coaches and, you know, my ownership group. They're, they're so empowering that it's, it's not as bad as the media sometimes makes it out to be. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. that if you're, if, if um, you're a person who's involved with these, with these industries, you have to be a little bit crazy to do it, but you also have to be like that type of person to build people up. Yeah. Um, and, and represent yourself well. And, and I can't speak greatly enough about my experiences in my current position and, you know, watching this unfold, um, right before our eyes, it's, it's really, it's astounding to be honest with you. It's very, very cool. Yeah. What a time to be alive. I mean, from yeah. the, the PWHL, uh, they had a WNBA game in Toronto that sold out in like a matter of minutes. Uh-huh. Um, they got project eight, which is trying to bring a, Domestic Soccer League for Women to Canada, um, NWSL breaking records with the salaries that they, they're they signing women on uh, this year as a result of the TV contract that was a record breaker. So it's a lot of interesting things in the industry and definitely a lot to pay attention to. So it's it's cool to have somebody who's part of the industry who's um, took some time out to come chat with us. So before we go, we always want to ask everybody who's on our podcast who are your three favorite athletes um my three favorite athletes well i'm gonna have to say uh mr jose bautista (laughs) (laughs) uh definitely because he's my head coach and he's absolutely incredible his career was unbelievable um i would say lamar jackson right now very sad to see him not um you know them not go to the super bowl but they had an amazing amazing year um and then my third favorite athlete. I mean, I have to go with a classic Michael Jordan because I pretty um, much like him. So those are, I would say those are my three favorite athletes for sure. That's cool. You can't go wrong with MJ. And I definitely <laughs> feel you on the Lamar. He had a I heck know. of a season and it was like yeah. watching magic or lightning in a bottle every time the Ravens played. So I, know. I should be mentioning like baseball stars, but I kind of did. Jose, Jose <laughs> was a really good baseball player. So, you know, we, we got that covered, but that's uh, it. I think OBJ will get an honorable mention as well because he did pretty great this year too. There you go. I like that. I like that. Well, Jimmy, did you have anything else? No, that's it for me. All right. Well, Jenna, uh, can you tell the people where they can find out more information about Kamloops, North Paws, about the West Coast League? And if they want to connect with you, where can they do that? Um, absolutely. Um, so my email address is jforter, F-O-R-T-E-R at northpawsbaseball.ca. Um, you can find us on Instagram, X, um, Facebook, and our website, which is northpawsbaseball.ca. Um, more information about the West Coast League, um, it's thewestcoastleague.com. Um, and yeah, we uh, we look forward to meeting you guys. And thank you so much for having me on. This was, this was really, really fun. I was so nervous, but it went so well. <laughs> oh, you're a pro. We'll do it again sometime.